Citizen Reporter number 432 for the 12th of October, 2012. I focus on the task and try and do it as best we can, and we're constantly evolving it because it's my way of trying to make sense of all these ambivalent feelings I have. First of all, it's not a media. It's not like a giant organism that, no, you know, is like a big blob <laughs> that moves around. Uh, it's more like, and I've said this before, like, uh, you ever watch six-year-olds play soccer? Yeah. And it's like, there's just the blah, 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 and then the ball pops out, and then all of a sudden they go, ah, ball! <laughs> I think in general, the bias of the media, except for Fox, is towards <laughs> conflict and sensationalism. And for the first time in perhaps six years, we are here with a guest by the name of Brian Dunphy. Hello, Brian. Hi, Mark. It's amazing to me. It's been, you were probably one of my first guests on a podcast that I didn't know was going to have guests. Yeah, I remember that. That was fun. <laughs> I don't even know if we can find that audio anymore. Oh, my God. It was, I remember it. It was so young. That's the best word. And, and perfectly immature. And now we're going to be talking about serious shit. And, uh... Nah. 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 I'm but, all flustered right now. Uh, yeah, well, we like to, uh... <laughs> we like to sometimes bring, uh... Thinking people's issues and, and the shit that you don't find in the... The regular conversations online. So that's why we've got you. Uh, you're here in Amsterdam for... On a mission. And it's not the religious type. Um, well, it is a religious mission. <laughs> the Daily Show is a religion for some people. The Daily Show. Now, let's go backwards before we go forwards. Um, earlier this year, you were in Amsterdam. You were in various parts of the Netherlands, Germany, Sweden as well, giving a talk on um, South Park. Yeah. It was South Park and the American Experience. Uh, I don't think we ever on this program talked about how you teach at Brooklyn College and... Part one of the classes that you've taught over the years is about South Park and sort of satire, right? It's a bit mm -hmm. of a yeah. Uh, the South Park class actually has that's the thing. When I created the class, it had nothing to do. It had everything and nothing to do with South Park. Uh, it was more of a I want to have my students learn about social issues, about politics, about war, about religion. Right. What better show to introduce them to that? than South Park, which covers all of them. Okay. So How am I to get them to listen? I'll use South Park. Right, and if that's what we have to do, I mean, in the way, I'm similar to, like, John Stewart. Like, if you have to entertain them, to educate them, then so be it. Mm. Uh, not saying I'm as good as John Stewart. I guess I shouldn't. I'm not even close. Too late. Too late. Uh, whoops. Subtle. Um, so, yeah, so the first few weeks, it was South Park and religion, where I had the students reading the Quran or the mm -hmm. Bible, mm -hmm. and then we would watch the episodes, or they would read about Scientology, and then they would watch the episodes, the episode. or vice versa, yeah. however it was. And then we would talk about it. Yeah. And the episodes kind of played like a secondary role in a lot of the episode, in a lot of the, the classes, and a lot of the lectures. And uh, it, it was really popular that first semester. It got a lot of press. And then it became extremely popular a year later. Mm -hmm. And it got so popular that... I didn't want to do it anymore. I wanted to parlay that into an entire course on satire, where South Park still gets featured, but I get to investigate The Daily Show, mm. Colbert, mm -hmm. uh, The Onion for a week. You know, why not? Yeah. Uh, and other things that are mixed in there. 
So that's been like, that was my baby, you know, yeah. South Park. And then it grew up into this very uh, immature, mature satire and mass media course. What's interesting about South Park, maybe a little bit similar to the way the name and the recognition of the Simpsons that exists around the world, here we're in the Netherlands, but I spend my, a lot of my time in Portugal, people know about South Park. I mean, that may stop when you get to like, when I've been to Afghanistan, I didn't hear a lot of talk about South Park. But Which is weird because they did an episode in Afghanistan. And I think actually the episode, which was called Osama Bin Laden Has Farty Pants, they actually hired someone... <laughs> They wrote dialogue and they hired someone who spoke, I don't know, it was Afghani, Dari, Dari yeah. uh, to say the words. So they were really speaking the Go language. language. <laughs> um, so you killed Kenny, they killed Kenny, you bastards, was actually said, said in uh, Dari. <laughs> Dari. That's one of my favorite moments of that show. But So it's like, even though we're over here and people will debate about how different things are, or what's different about this country versus that country... Um, as the Hells Angels just rolls by us in the background. Well, we are close, right? <laughs> yeah, not cool. um, Is that even though we're in a different, somewhat different cultural context, here you are being asked. It's not just you saying, I want to talk over here. You're being asked to give these presentations here. And people, I mean, they're fans. They know the program. But they also make the connections between what's going on in the world or in the United States and what's being depicted in this, in this show. Uh, I mean, it, it translates. It, it translates because funny, when it's funny, and I'm talking like really funny, it translates. Um, but yeah. you always have that problem. Uh, you know, some people don't get British humor in America. Some American, you know, some humor of America doesn't British. translate. Yeah, it just doesn't translate. But there's something about adolescent with intelligence humor that mm. translates. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's fart why jokes. fart jokes, fart jokes. Listen, Louis C.K. <laughs> said it's very easy. It, you could be the dumbest person. You could be the smartest person in the world and still make a fart joke. But you sh you should consider yourself dumb if you don't want to laugh at it. <laughs> you know, this this brilliant idea of it's just a joke. Uh, yeah. But I think that the intelligence is really that's the main thing. Yeah. I think Europeans are drawn to you know, the intelligence of South Park. I think they're drawn to the intelligence of Colbert. Not as much, but right. uh, John Stewart as well. The intelligence aspect. And they're like, oh, and they're funny. Bonus. Yeah. It's why I'm drawn to Eddie Izzard. Hmm. It's the intelligence. Yeah, the history know? lesson. Yeah, the history where I, I feel... Like, tons. Yeah, and I, and I totally steal... Who's Hannibal? I have no idea. <laughs> What's a big upside-down squirrel? <laughs> you know? I never thought that I would get a history lesson and laugh as hard as I did. And I feel like that's what South Park does, or mm. what Jon Stewart does, what The Onion does. And yeah. uh, funny is funny, and it translates. But funny with intelligence will transcend. And yeah. I think that that's why it's so successful. So I haven't seen the Jon Stewart talk. I'm going to see it in a few hours. Um, Hope I you did, like it. I did. Oh, I like it. I like when you... You can do a fart <laughs> joke and you really like it. But oh, I will eventually. Learning will be fine as well. Yeah. Um, but in the, in the South Park um, talk... You know, I recognized a lot of the moments throughout the last few years of history. I mean, the show, what? The show's at 15? 16. 16. This right? is year 16. Yeah. yeah. So you see a lot of the things that we grew up with, because I, I, you remember, too, when yeah. South Park first showed up, we were, were we in high school? First freshman year of college. Okay, yeah. 97. Yeah. It was that and OK Computer. 
So I didn't go to class for like the first one. I'm like, this is what I'm listening to. Okay, computer. This is so deep. This is amazing. I don't know what I'm listening to. I've never heard it before. Uh, But it was great. Uh, And I also think that there's another thing about South Park that makes it fascinating is it has run parallel to the internet. The rise of the internet and the rise of South Park. Uh, Together. Yeah, I don't think that they're, they're not related to each other, but there is this element of as South Park has become more and more prominent, so is the internet. And if you actually look at the shows, the episodes, they didn't deal with the internet. And then all of a sudden they started dealing with it more and more. As, as the seasons went on, the internet started playing more and more of a role because technology allowed them to do so. Yeah. The first episode they ever had that really involved the internet was uh, uh, Cartman joins NAMBLA, which is the North American Man-Boy Love Association. And he just went online. And what was it about? Men trying to pick up young boys. Yes. And that was the first episode. The internet is scary. You shouldn't go on it. And that's how people were. Like, in the mid to late 90s, after that first appeal, it was like, who's on here? We should be afraid. Very accurate, by the way. Yeah, really (laughs) accurate, surprisingly. It's a great episode. And Cartman's like, I'm a young boy who wants to have fun. And he gets like 50 IMs. I mean, it was great. And then as the show goes on, they do episodes about how connected we are with the internet. Mm -hmm. Uh, In an episode uh, called Overlogging on overlogging overlogging on (laughs) where the internet just stops and we regress to like grapes of wrath and they they do it in black and white and they all have to go to refugee camps to get uh internet and randy (laughs) randy hasn't masturbated in like two weeks because his thing he goes once you've seen two brazilian girls shitting on each other Playboy just ain't cutting it anymore. It's this brilliant line. So he he ends up breaking into the refugee where they store all the internet, like and he, yeah, the Devo, and he ends up like masturbating and just. I mean, it's, it covers it, and everyone walks in, and he goes, "Oh, I just saw a ghost. Look, this is all ectoplasm. It's not." It was so great because it really showed how dependent we are and how society would fall apart. And then they did this amazing episode called The Snook, which was one of my favorite episodes. It was a spoof on 24. And in the episode, they found out who these criminals were by simply just reading their Facebook page and seeing what things that they're posting about (laughs) and that they could track them using this and that. And it was just all the boys saying... This is what the person's doing. He's there. We saw it on his Facebook page. We linked into this where he posted that. We saw this. And they figured out who was going to blow up the entire United States. The point was all the information you want about what people are doing online. (laughs) And and that's where we are right now. That's the world where we're at. So it was really fun to see that. by the way, it's, it's really odd, that, but it's still funny like that you're telling stories of episodes, and I'm laughing like I've never seen them, yeah. some of which I haven't. But I do start to wonder if like in 20, 30 years, if the show isn't even around, you're going to tell stories from South Park, and people are going to be like, tell another one of those. Yes, grandfather, will you tell us tales of that show called South Park? Yeah. I've the always talkies. The talkies, the animated thing that they do. Yeah, um, yeah I think that um, they're done after yeah. season 20. I think that that's it. I think they got four more years left in them. They'll be in their late 40s by then or mid-40s. They'll be done. That'll be it. How much more can they really, really do? But if Comedy Central throws a half a million dollars, a half a billion dollars, which that's some of the rumors that how much they make, how are you going to say no? 
Yeah, but the thing is, like, well, there are some exceptions, but like programs in general, we're talking in the U.S. but anywhere in the world, don't last generally. Although every now and then one comes along that survives. Certainly. And, and it seems like programs last even less time than they used to. They're given less of a a try. Yeah. You know, your your show. What's it called? V. Yeah. Uh, get rid of it. <laughs> Nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, like, there you have South Park, which established itself in an era where maybe things didn't disappear as fast, although. It was, it was happening and shows were disappearing. I don't, I don't agree. I, I, I think that um, we're in a golden age of television. This is, there is no better time to be watching television than right now. Uh, I think that the quality of television is, has been higher over the past decade than any time before. And we could start right around 2001 with 24, and you can make a direct line to Breaking Bad. Mainly because the structures are very similar. What made that, for example, 24, what made that such high quality? Because it changed one simple thing. Uh, no longer was the cliffhanger with the guy suspended in air, which was, is he going to survive? Tune right, in that next was the week. Dukes of Hazard. Right, that was, that, they were just like, no. Instead, it goes into the ditch, and instead, the main character, Jack Barrett, would come out of the car, okay, and goes, now I'm going to kill him. And that's how they ended the episode, where all of a sudden you're just like, what's he going to do next? And you were just like, i got to watch it. The Sopranos you could attach to this as well, where it seemed like they they left it in such a way where you know the main character is going to survive. So why tease us with that? Instead, let's – why tease us? Why end the episode? Because there's still cliffhangers. But it's a different type of cliffhanger. Nothing ever blows up or like – did he survive? Like, no, we know he survives. Now he's no. pissed. What's going to happen next? And I think that Breaking Bad is kind of in that same structure where you know Walt's going to survive so far. <laughs> uh, but every episode leaves you with that. <gasps> Everything's resolved, but nothing's resolved. And now what's, what's he going to do next? Yeah. Uh, is so much more exciting than the way The Sopranos did it, which was everything at the end gets... T- every episode seemed to tie up into a little bow with a little hint of what's to come. Yeah. Uh, you could actually start from the middle and just start watching those And be fine. Like and, and be fine. Yeah, we and, have a lot more... Well, we have many shows now where you don't want to start in the middle. You have to watch from the beginning. But at the same time, what frustrates me so much is when people tell me to watch Boardwalk Empire. And I'm just like, I watched three episodes. I didn't care. What, why is that frustrating? Because they're like, no, wait till episode eight. It gets really good. And I look at them like, you want me to invest six and a half hours in a show for it to get good? As if you've never done that before. Right, right. <laughs> uh, it, it's, just, it's just not. But, I mean, you go down the list. Mad Men, Walking Dead. Break, I mean, it's just all listing AMC shows at the moment. <laughs> but uh, AMC shows are just right now they're top dog. But Breaking Bad, Walking Dead... Um, I think the newsrooms was fantastic. Mm-hmm. I think it's utopia, and I don't give a shit. I mm-hmm. think it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. Political Animals on USA, I thought it was great. Uh, right. It's with Sigourney Weaver playing like a Hillary Clinton type character. Uh, yes, we get Revolution, which I haven't seen, <laughs> but that's not their fault. You know, it's not their fault. It's not ABC or NBC's fault that we get crap like revolution but every so often you get some really racy some really good shit Mm -hmm. um i think right now uh the new girl is fantastic yeah i think it's but it's not though it's 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 the same formula we've seen and yet we love these people yeah they they i mean look they 
make a slight twist. Everybody wants to make a twist, you know, right. on the old theme. Their twist is, at this time anyway, familiar or fun, like yeah. more fun than anyone else's sort of twist on the sitcom, three people living together. Thing. Mm-hmm. Let's go to let's go to the Daily Show a bit because you know we we've been talking. We started with South Park and state of television in general, which. Let's be honest, a lot of us spent a lot of time watching. Not watching television, but watching the programs we love. Mm. Um, and here you're asked to come back to the Netherlands, and this time they want you to speak about The Daily Show. A show you watch every day, more or less. I've my morning coffee. Couch. Yeah. yeah, my morning coffees with Jon Stewart. Yeah. And, I mean, there have been, I can remember some even academic studies talking about how trust level people trust to some extent john stewart more than they do uh, the traditional anchors that yeah. are still on television or maybe some of the ones from the past um and yet it's a comedy show uh, it's a comedy news show um and and john stewart has joked about how he he thinks that you know he's just making jokes people shouldn't take him so seriously but they do um here in the Netherlands, people have heard of it. Maybe they've watched it. It is on TV, if anyone's still watching TV. Plenty of people are sharing clips. So, um, When you get here, I mean, you give the talk. How are you approaching this? Like, it's the Daily Show and news, how we report news today. I guess you have to watch it I to know. find out. No, tease uh, it, tease Yeah, it. tease it. Uh, I think that Stuart comes from a long line of jesters and satirists. I think that we could draw a straight line from the jesters that spoke the truth to the king back in the 15th century to George Carlin, Mm -hmm. to Lenny Bruce, or Lenny Bruce to George Carlin, uh, all the way up through Saturday Night Live and Bill Maher and then The Daily Show. I think that there is a a straight line. The comedians who talk about real issues. Who talk about real issues. Who want them. Yeah, and who want to enact social change and really change things. Uh, Social change and really change things. Can I get you a coffee or anything? No, we're good. No, thank you. Uh, We're in the Hotel La Coin. and uh, (laughs) Things happen. Things happen. Uh, But yeah, it's really, um, it's a straight line. Yeah. Mainly because what was the jester? The jester, which I talk about in my lecture, was pretty much paid by the king to make fun of him. He said to the king, "Here's money. Make fun of all my people, mm-hmm. because I want the people to love me. So if I could take a joke, everything will be okay." If he went too far, he cuts his head off. Mm. Right. But the jester yeah. worked for the worked for the monarchy, worked for the clergy if he had to. But what he was really saying, the subtext, was for the people. Hmm. was for the commoners because he was one and I could I see Stuart as that he's getting paid by a king the king right. is Viacom right right which, which by I mean has connections to power right exactly and yeah. they pay him 14 million dollars a year he makes that much money uh, which is uh, we're, we're in the wrong business I don't even know how much money that is yeah, I, could, okay. I couldn't even tell I think that's how much Walt had at the end of this season <laughs> uh, it was 14 million dollars I could pay John Stewart for a year uh, and he's worth every penny of it uh, I think so but yet I mean they don't I haven't I don't remember any slap on the hands oh, oh I do um, he when South Park and here's a connection both Comedy Central both Viacom when Comedy Central did not allow South Park to air their Prophet Muhammad episode, the recent one. John Stewart is just like, I would love to talk bad about it. They're my employer. They own the show. It's their choice. But you could feel he wanted to do more. Mm. So instead, what did he do? He did a whole song and dance telling these people to go fuck themselves with a, like a, a choir in the back. 
He's like, go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. He but did that's like... the thing. He didn't do that thing that, you know, South Park had been slapped on the hands for or stopped from doing. But yeah, he did something else that in a lot of lines of work would get you fired. But okay, we go back to that thing where the king hires the jester and says, go ahead. Yeah. You know, do what you go, go do what you gotta but do. But a lot of shows has, or <clears throat> jesters have also lost the head, right? I mean, have lost their Well, heads. because Bill Maher is the perfect example after September 11th. Can't call him brave. You can't, you can't do that. Uh, a student last night in uh, Nijmegen asked me, uh, when, what is the limit? And I said, I, I, I don't know. And nobody knows what the limit is it until it's crossed. Change. Right. It did. But it, I always talk about the pendulum because yeah. I, I firmly believe that's just humanity. That thing represents mm-hmm. where we are. Right now, think about five, think about eight years ago, what you couldn't say about George W. Bush. Oh, yeah. Versus Never what you that. could say now about President Obama. I mean, we're talking such a swing in yeah. the and that's that's why I think Obama was the perfect president for the perfect time because he says say whatever you want say do whatever you got to do hmm. he never reacted he always was calm if they spoke to George Bush the way they spoke about president Obama George Bush would make everyone feel awful like Obama's just like that's what you got to do and that's the pendulum swing and we're also in it with social acceptability what, yeah. what is okay to say on television now mm. versus what was eight years ago. Yeah. It's a pendulum swing. Yeah. So, I mean, there were some things, like, not to nitpick, but, like, uh, in, the Bush, in the Bush era, you could, the people did, whether or not you could, compare him to Hitler. They did it all the time. They did it to Obama, I mean, too. I mean, in a protest, you'll see a lot of weird posters anyway. Yeah, um, I remember those posters. So it wasn't that you couldn't, but I know what you're saying. These, these things do change, and what's sacred, I mean, we see it with words, we see it with topics. Yeah. I was just noticing the other day, comedians that I love, and, you know, maybe in my own life occasionally, jokes related to 9-11. It's, it's not that bad anymore. And, and you and I are from New York. I yeah. Mean, uh, you know, we were uh, both there. Were you there? Yeah. Yeah, okay, so. um, and, and, and I don't know if I have any right to, to de- determine what standards are, but I'm cool with it. You know, like, it's... I remember what I want to remember, and, I, and I, there are some things that are sacred to me and some people and so forth. But yeah. to some extent, depending on the joke. Right, it depends on fair, what they say. Yeah. Uh, but then, I mean, we're here in the Netherlands, and, well, or over in Germany when we go and visit, jokes <laughs> about... Hitler era are still weird. Yeah, it's still weird. Sorry, Martin. We love you. <laughs> but there's a buddy of ours who's German who can handle it, right? Well, he could handle it because he's like a he's Martin. Man. He's the modern. He's Martin. He's got a cookbook. He's got a beard. Things are okay, yeah. you know. But there's also a difference between like people who like to explore how far, well, how far comedy, oh, right, and where you can take it, and it makes it. But it's also our friendship with him, and I think that that Martin knows that at the end of the day. If he called me tomorrow and I was living in New York, he says, I need you out here, I'd be on a flight. Yeah. And he knows that. And that's why I get to joke about mm-hmm. Hitler. That's the trade-off. I'll hop on a plane, but I also get to make fun of Hitler. Yeah. It's a fair game. I think with 9-11, two things. Um, South Park airing an episode eight weeks after 9-11 where Osama bin Laden has party pants, where they made fun oh, of... Oh, that was then. Yeah, it was eight <laughs> weeks after 9-11. So right there, they, they were the first ones to joke about it. And I think Louis C.K., 
Yep. Yeah. Oh, someone's getting arrested. Yeah, uh, I think for your language. Yeah. <laughs> Louis C.K. When he cracked the joke, he goes, uh, "It was something like, you know, when is it okay to masturbate after 9/11?" And he goes, "I know that some of you waited a week because you were awesome." He goes me, it was between the two towers falling. Right. Like, that was because 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 if I don't do it, the, the terrorists win. They win. You know, if I don't do this, they win. And it's listen. Yeah time you could joke about anything i mean the fresh wounds you can't and john stewart even after 9 11 um one of his greatest bits which i wish i could have worked into the lecture just didn't work within the frame of what i was doing i also couldn't get access to it was his first episode after September 11th, which is about two weeks afterwards, and he's, like, crying. They didn't do an episode until two weeks after? About two weeks after. Um, the exact date. I want to say it's, like, the 26th. I what feel was like... the end of season, beginning of season thing? No, it was, we don't want to work. We're not doing episodes. We're, We're not going to do comedy. Right. right. And he comes on, he goes, I don't know what to tell you guys. And he starts crying. On, on, yeah, you watch it. It's one of the most amazing things. He goes, I'm supposed to make you laugh. I don't, I don't know how to right now. Mm. So like this is seems like a farce though. This is what we have to do, Good. but I'm gonna do it because you guys want me to, and I'm gonna try to do it, but I can't do it yet. Yeah. And then he played like a repeat episode, or like you know, and it was it was ten minutes of just on him crying. Now knowing Stuart is a perfectionist on his monologues, knowing that he refuses to just let it go the first time, he'll do thirty takes if he has to. There's no way this was cut up. This was real. This was from the heart. I don't know if it was read off a prompter, but it was real. Yeah. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. And that a comedian feels that, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Something I've noticed over the years, and I don't remember in the beginning, but nowadays when I listen to uh, I don't know, is it political commentary, some informal conversations off and online, The Daily Show is categorized as liberal media. Have, is that is that true? I mean, am I imagining that from? Over I think because it wasn't the beginning. Here, it wasn't here, the beginning. here it's no, categorized. No, back in the U.S. I think that progr- I hate the word liberal. Um, I, I, I want to. I want to. I wish. Yeah, because here in Europe we have the original liberal, I think, <laughs> and it's like pro-business, and the values are pretty much. Eh, yeah. Whatever. I I think Stewart is. I think it's progressive media. I like the word progressive. I think it's. Probably my but favorite word. He's words. there now. He's being lumped in, whether he wants to be or right. not. <clears throat> but if he was truly liberal, which he is, I think that calling Stewart progressive is accurate. Calling the show progressive and liberal, I think, is inaccurate. I think the show, no matter who was the host, would go after Obama. No matter who was the host, would go after President Romney if he yeah. becomes one. I don't think that that's the issue at all. I think that. Every media person tries to put someone into a little box. And when you do that, it's because then you could successfully attack them. And if you could successfully attack them, you could knock them off whatever pedestal they're on. And that's what we always try to do in America. So putting them as a liberal media person, would a liberal media person rip apart Barack Obama for a week straight like he did over the summer? No. No. Maybe once. Maybe unless it was egregious. But look... I think what's happening, though, is that there's a choosing, as always with everything in, in this life, there's a picking and choosing of when we 
we, different groups, remember what John Stewart did. So mm -hmm. they don't remember that which you're talking about when he picks on Obama, but they remember the way he tears into maybe Republican senators. Because unfortunately it's funnier. Uh, that's, I think that that's what it comes down to. I think it really comes down to for the European audiences and for the I'm going to share this with everybody Facebook post, it's, yeah. it's a, here's the thing. It's a surgeon, a scalpel cut against Obama. Right. But when he goes after a Mitt Romney or a Republicans or Fox News, it's a gunshot. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's not it's, it's easier target. It's, a, it's an easier target. And, it, and it's easier to blow that up yeah. versus with Obama. He's going to surgically cut away. Uh, I've always compared Stewart. He's cold hearted. Like if you really watch his stuff. He is, he is a calculating intellect, mm. and uh, he will burn somebody if he needs to. He'll cut off the head of something if he feels like, i got to get rid of this. But overall, at the end, he still likes Obama. So it's mm -hmm. really hard for him. I think that it's the system that he hates. And he, yeah, he said that. Yeah. Straight up. Um, but if you watch the, the <laughs> rumble with Bill O'Reilly, <laughs> somebody asked him, they go, who should I vote for? And he goes, I don't know what to tell you. He won't endorse anybody. Mm -hmm. He will never endorse Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Never will. Which is kind of weird, too. Uh, yeah. It is. It's weird, because everyone's like, he's voting for Obama. I'm like, but he's never said it. No, and people often think of it's not one or the other. It's the other. But for a lot of us, and including me, it's... it's it's not that easy. It's not. It's, it's just. I, this meh. is where we see uh, two total different things. I think that this is the easiest vote I've ever had in with regards to a presidential election. Two thousand. You're choosing one versus the other. I, I'm, I'm... No, 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 no. Just in, in overall. I mean, two thousand. I had a choice between Gore and Bush. I voted for Nader. Yeah. Because I loved Ralph Nader. He was a hero. Yeah. Two thousand four. I was asked to work on John Kerry's campaign, and I couldn't do it. I mean, it was a small thing in New York, like, you know, canvassing, whatever, but I would be running, like, four or five people, and I was like, I, 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 I don't think you're going to win. Uh, 2008, it was an easy kind of choice because you had John McCain, who looks like he's 170 years old, smart man, war hero, but not fit physically to be president so it was an easy choice also young you got this awesome dude who it's a three point it was so easy this time president obama is an incrementalist mm -hmm. he understands america i think better than anybody else in the sense of we do not move fast we only care the media only care it's chess not checkers you know, uh, it's, it's, it's the grand scheme. Yeah. And Obama understands the grand scheme that it's not going to be an immediate victory. That's why I'm not losing my shit over this debate that he lost, because I'm like, there's two more. There's a month. At the end of the day, if you're going to vote for Mitt Romney now, after seeing him for two hours, mm -hmm. you're a moron. Yeah. If you're well, going to. I think the capacity to ignore things is also amazing on, both, on yeah. any side of anyone. You can forget so easily and you can ignore so much. Yeah. How how can we forget that Mitt Romney? I don't Romney know called? how you influence voters anymore because people make up their minds, or they just simply never do. Well, <laughs> the way you influence voters is by pointing out the things that are most important, which are: does this person? Here's how I students ask me all the time, and I tell them I can't tell you who to vote for, and I never will. <laughs> I never will. They know that I'm going to vote for Barack Obama. I have no problem if it was a non-school setting and somebody asked me. I'd be like, we're off the record. I mean, we're on the record here, type mm -hmm. thing. I have no problem. Like, no. But I'll tell you why. 
to me, this is an election between two types of philosophies. Do you want someone getting a billion dollars from 200 people or a billion dollars from 100 million people? That's it. And if you say, I want the guy who gets a billion dollars from 200 people, you vote for Mitt Romney. If you want, not saying Obama doesn't get, you know, yeah, not my, with, my irritance is, is with this, I don't know if that's the, the equation. Is, is with why aren't they making a bigger deal out of Citizens United? They're not. Because, because it's not working. No, they because it's win not it. working. Win it. But it's also not working. What's actually happened is, uh, from the, the stats that I'm reading, it's not working. It's right, right. too More much. money may not win an election, thankfully. Right. Because no, no, in any case, whoever the candidate were, we shouldn't have a world where more money wins right. election, but we seem to have it. Nobody's going to talk bad about Citizen United because... Too complicated. Uh, it's very, it's very complicated. It's a really complicated decision, but it's a stupid, one of the worst decisions. It will go down. Dred Scott, Brown versus. I mean, like we're talking, it's going to be top ten worst decisions of all time. Uh, and I, and I think everyone's going to realize in the next few years that pendulum is going to swing back and go. Oh, this is a problem, yeah. and it's going to go the other way. I mean, that's the way humanity works, and I firmly believe that. And I'm looking at this, and within those 100 million people that support Obama, giving him $5, $10, whatever, within that, there are going to be 100 people who are going to give him a million dollars, like Bill Maher did, which I totally disagreed with. Um, totally made him... Why so? Because of his position? Or? Uh, he's no longer an authority. He's now an activist and a comedian. George Carlin would never do that. Right. George Carlin would be like, fuck you, I'm not giving you my money. Right. He's like, I'd rather give it to a poor person. I'd rather give it... I mean, whether he would or not is irrelevant. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But Stewart's never going to do that. But yeah. once Bill Maher did that, he became an activist for Obama. Right. Yeah, a lot of his jokes now... I've, I've watched the show regularly, and a lot of his jokes now are often followed by, even though I sent him money, right. and then make fun. Right. And it's, it's not... It's still funny, but there is something. Yeah, and, and I respect Bill Maher. Listen, without Bill Maher, we don't have The Daily Show. Mm. which is in my lecture. I mean, it's him, and then it's The Daily Show. It's really one, two, because uh, Politically Incorrect left. It was on Comedy Central, Politically Incorrect, yeah, yeah, yeah. when it first started. And then he left to take it to ABC. That's why I'm going to get louder. Uh, he left it to ABC, and they came up with The Daily Show. I mean, it was one after the other. It was very close uh, cousins of one another, uh, this notion of entertaining politics. But uh, Bill Maher became an activist, a Barack Obama comedian activist, which is fine. But if you look at the best comedians, they'll be like, yeah, I'm supporting him. Like Chris Rock. I was about to do a Chris Rock joke. Louis C.K., you know who they're voting for. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the time, they're not going to actively give him money. Because they're just like, that's not my job. That's not a comedian's job. Uh, and that's why Stewart is a comedian. What's also weird is like you talk about the comedians who would support who. We have to go soon for dinner, yeah. of course. But um... I have to be there in like an hour. Oh, great. Well, that's good. It's always good to be very last minute, just stroll in, just stroll in. start talking. Anybody listening to this program knows that's how I've always done it. <laughs> always late. Always, always late. Like, I don't think he prepared anything. No, I did. The whole no, thing I, is memorized. Um, but, you know, one thing you do have is even within, I mean, should we be so stuck on politics? I don't know. But, Who cares? Um, Why not? You know, comedians vote, say, Obama. One of the reasons, a big issue for a comedian and others is the what do you call it the new limits that are appearing on what's okay what's not okay and what's strange about um it's happening everywhere but it's happening in the united states above all um is that more and more topics become 
sacred cows. Can't do it. Can't joke about it. And not only that, but actually, you know, some larger hands are going into comedy, reaching down and saying, don't do that, right. and we will punish you right, in, yeah. in various ways. So, you know, I always hear comedians talking about who they would vote for and who they're supporting, and one of the large reasons they think they support certain candidates is because they want to be free to do their work and to critique, right? Which right. is very important to you and I. And, but what's odd is, even though you, you choose one over the other because one is perhaps slightly better in the track record, or better straight up, there are forces within one part, both parties that are doing the same thing anyway. Right. Um, you know, and, and so that's where it's just, you know, good luck. Yeah. You know, choose, choose the Democratic Party, but you're still going to get slapped uh, because there's a similar program going on in some areas, in, in, in many areas. Mm. But is that such a bad thing? I mean, I, let's... it sucks because I, I think everybody would like a candidate that better represents them. But, but how are we going to do that? How are, there's 350 gazillion people. You can people get closer. And, you can't do it. You can get closer. Then everyone who is our type of disposition and our type of thinking would vote for Dennis Kucinich. For example, yeah. No chance at winning. No chance at all of winning. Right. You would need, you would need something more like proportional, which you yeah, don't Yeah, which you don't have. And yeah. that's why, you know, look, I don't, I don't want to split shit up. I want, I want us to find that happy medium. But I want my president as a moderate. I want my Congress left of center, and I want my Supreme Court left of center. Mm-hmm. But I want that president to go, I'm not president for the left, I'm not president for the right, I'm president for everybody. And I think that uh, a lot of us, um, I will say myself not included because I did not think he was this, they thought they were getting the Democratic George Bush with Barack Obama in the sense of an intelligent guy who's just going to vote Democrat in every single thing he does and give the big middle finger to the other side. Mm-hmm. That's what a lot of people wanted because they were so sick of losing to Bush. I mean, he won everything. Yeah. For a guy who gets a lot of shit, he won everything. Yeah. Except now he's remembered as one of the worst presidents ever. <laughs> uh, That'll probably change too. They'll start naming Right, exactly. Eventually, look, you could look at the current crop and go, he was actually somewhat sane. He was somewhat normal. <laughs> uh, we but, miss him. Yeah, but in the end, it's that pendulum. Yeah. And I think that... Uh, Obama represents it perfectly. Last one. Yeah. Um, you, you've been speaking to audiences in Europe. I live here. Uh, I, I wish I lived point. here. Ah, yeah. It's basically your home. It really is. Second home. Are you picking up anything, especially in the feedback, like during the talk, after the talk, with how, you know, the, even the Dutch look at the United States? I mean, it changes. And, and like, when Obama was elected, it was... Yay. You know, people were excited. I had American flags on my street, which is kind of weird. I kind of wanted to tell them, you can stop now. It's, we think that's weird. It was um, a little weird, yeah. And, you know, and, and, and sometimes it feels like, in general, we, we look over there and just kind of go, oh, what are they doing? You know, it's like... But that's exactly what you're doing. You're, you look over and go, oh, what on earth are you doing, right? <laughs> planet where so thick What are you doing? Why are you doing that? And I'll tell you exactly why. Uh, Edward R. Morrow said it perfectly, the amazing news journalist uh he said we came into our inheritance as a global power at a very young age Mm. we're still teenagers with a trust fund (laughs) europeans are the old we've gone through it we've had the empires we've had this we've had the global hegemony we've done all of that it doesn't work Mm. but the other thing that you got to remember is the united states is a mix here in the, in the Netherlands, I mean, 90% of the population, maybe it's 85, are Dutch. 
right? Mm -hmm. So most Dutch people are going to generally, in the grand scheme of things, think alike. Granted, there'll be variations amongst age groups, but but overall, they're still generally whatever. Now let's compare that to the French. Let's compare it to the Germans. Let's compare it to the Greeks. And we have the EU. If you ever want to understand America, look how the EU works. Mm -hmm. Because they can't do anything without it takes them a while yeah. incremental steps because some you're getting are inside the car some people are outside right, we're going to clean your windows <laughs> right and and it's just it's so difficult for people to understand that when you have every ethnicity every religion every creed every color every type of everything mixed into one trying to move even ordering dinner is really difficult hmm. And that's where it stands. That's why they look at, oh, why can't you get yourselves together? Because we're not just one type of people. And what's weird is as much as you can look at it as a spectacle or, or what is that, things come this way. That's what I've noticed. So be it the health insurance plans and, well, the future of the health insurance companies, yeah. it hits over here in some form or another anyway. Absolutely. You know, people are still talking about the wonderful health system in Europe. The fact is, the ones that haven't been taken apart are in the process of being you know, Americanized. Sem- semi-American. Well, yeah. semi-Americanized. Semi, yeah. Semi. We'll give but it still, a lot of people don't know that, and and it's funny because you can sit here. I mean, that's why many Europeans would like to vote in the American election. I feel like I should hand over my vote to some, um, because they think like, well, it's not our country, but everything that happens over there affects you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think a lot. Of that's, that's the story of the globe, anyway. Yeah, um, but we're so prominent, especially here. I mean, that's what I love about this country. It's not Americanized. No. It's hip hop. <laughs> Atized, I guess that's the word. Yeah. It's it's such a hip hop culture. They love American culture, but there's still that Dutchness to yeah. it. And it's it's I, I think that, you know, I've spent a lot of time recently in Stockholm and obviously I've been here. I would say the four cities that have the most connections in the world. San Francisco, New York, Stockholm, Amsterdam. I see so many similarities between the people, the way they think, the way their pride in the city, and yet their loathing of the city. Like, there's this, you know, complaints like, oh, we're complaining, but in the grand scheme of things, like the Swedes, they complain because they have nothing to complain about. You know, the Dutch are complaining about the train system. I mean, really, you know, get over it. It's, It's a nightmare. But it's pretty compared good. to what? Right. Compared to what? Right. And but that's how you keep the high standards. Right. Exactly. No, but that's exactly right. So I see a lot of combination, uh, a lot of comparisons between those four cities. I think that if you put us four together in a room, those cities, we're just gonna be like, let's just become a country because we have it figured out. You know, everything's just like, yeah, let's do it. And it's, <laughs> we love life and we want to hang out and drink beer and and we do and we do and that's what we're gonna do right now <laughs> no now it's time for you to give your talk alright Brian Dunphy thank you so much man thank you Mark um, come back please and stay on my couch 100 years 100 years 100 years old the way he puffs on the cigarette has a certain difference the way he looks through his wrinkled eyes you've been listening to Citizen Reporter and that was me with uh, Brian Dunphy my dear friend, as you can tell, we, we like to talk together and maybe we speak a language that not everybody understands. I find I talk faster when I'm sitting with Brian. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I wanted to make some final notes on today's program, especially to say thank you to everybody that contributed to the Kickstarter campaign. Christopher Lydon and I, you may remember the project from a few podcasts ago. We've got the funding We're planning it as we speak. Uh, The whole journey, Tunisia, Egypt, Lebanon. It's going to be fantastic, or as the kids say, epic. 
So thank you so much to everybody who contributed, and thank you even more those who are going to continue to listen and enjoy the fruits of this uh, this plan. Otherwise, citizenreporter.org, I'd like to mention that site so you know where you can go for more content, including there will be text updates and some photos and some video here and there. So there's lots more coming up. It's going to be boom times here on the podcast, and I'm so glad to have you along with us. So until next time, I am Mark Fonseca Rendeiro. See you soon. See ya. Watch out, lady. This is a man who's bored, who's had it all, had it all. Watch out, lady. Watch out, lady. This is a man who's bored, who's had it all, had it all. Watch out.